Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, April 18th, 2017, and this is a 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 27. We're going to start with paragraph 2 and continue the reading and study over to page 28, which will include paragraph 1 and 2 on page 28. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Elizabeth D., The Twelve Traditions, Roz R., and reading the text today and being supportive would be Leslie M., Lisa C.H., and Martha V. The reference number for yesterday, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 9844. 9844 and the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 9846. 9846. The OA preamble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive eating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Elizabeth D. to read the 12 steps. Star one, Elizabeth D. Star one, Elizabeth. Yes, this is Elizabeth D., recovered compulsive overeater in the Boston area. The steps. Good morning. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us, and the power to carry that out. 
and 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I pass. Thank you, Elizabeth D. I will now ask Roz R. to read the 12 traditions. Hi, can I be heard? Yes, good morning. Thank you. Good morning. This is Roz R. in Florida, recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions of, uh, oh my gosh, I've got the A book. Um, a minute. Uh, okay, I'll just insert them. I'm sorry. I thought I had the book open. Um, Okay. I'll read those for you, Roz. I can. Okay. I've got them. I'll just convert it to that way. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Razar. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in the literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, because we're recording, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And that would include anyone that's in queue muting their own phone because that still interferes with the recording electronically. Today we resume our study of the big book and we are on page 27, starting with paragraph five, upon hearing this, continuing For two paragraphs on page 28, the ending of that reading, a design for living that really works. And now I'll ask Leslie M. to begin our study and reading this morning. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning, Melanie C. Thank you you for your service this morning. This is Leslie M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Long Island, New York. Upon hearing this, our friend was somewhat relieved. 
for he reflected that, after all, he was a good church member. This hope, however, was destroyed by the doctors telling him that while his religious convictions were very good, in his case, they did not spell the necessary vital spiritual experience. Here was a terrible dilemma in which our friend found himself when he had the extraordinary experience, which as we have already told you, made him a free man. We in our turn sought the same escape with all the desperation of drowning men. What seemed at first a flimsy reed has proved to be the loving and powerful hand of God. A new life has been given us, or if you prefer, a design for living that really works. Um, once again, I'm Leslie M., a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, and, you know, I, I have struggled with, um, with the spiritual solution for many years. Um, I heard it, and, but it never, it never really entered my mind. And here it says, upon hearing this, our friend was somewhat relieved, for he reflected that, after all, he was a good church member. But that did not... Was not did not constitute the vital spiritual experience that he needed, um, and this is a dilemma. You know, I, I I constantly thought that the food was my problem. Uh, finally, when I found out that the food was my solution, um, that was when I could finally admit my powerlessness and and find a power greater than myself. Um, it says we in turn sought the same escape with all the desperation of drowning men. What seemed at first a flimsy reed has proved to be the loving and powerful hand of God. And this is a sentence that I really want to focus on. A new life has been given us, or if you prefer, prefer a design for living that really works. And, and this part of it, a new life has been given us. Um, you know, I could finally see that I needed help. Uh, I needed help outside of myself, outside of the human world. And um, when I could admit my powerlessness and accept a power greater than myself, uh, you know, I could see that a new life had been given me and, um, you know, and or a design for living that really works. Um, and the thing, the part about it that, that um, touches me is the fact that I could finally see um, with a new perspective um, that I did need this help, uh, that I could not do it myself. You know, so the spiritual malady needs a spiritual solution. And I'm grateful that I have been able to see and accept the new life that has been given to me. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leslie Ann. Who would like to comment on those paragraphs, page 27 and the first two on Matt page 28? Dorita P. Madam. Tina S. Dorita P. Okay, if those that would say their name one time only, please, and then I can grab up those other ones, just know that I'm taking your names down and I'll get back to you, okay? Just one time and then I'll catch you. Thanks so much. And I have Harlan G., Matt M., Delita, Tina S., and Melissa C. So far, who else? Dorita P. Michael. I have Dorita already. Kim G. And then who else? Hi, Kim. I got you. Anybody else? Janice M.O. Janice M.O. Let's go with that list. That's a good one. It's a lot of folks. Okay, great. Well, thanks so much. And if all the rest would please mute your line, and then I'll repeat the names I've gotten. The last one I didn't hear, we'll catch you next round. Harlan G., Matt M., Delita, Tina S., Melissa C., Michael H., Kim G., and Janice M.O. Good morning, Harlan. 
Good morning, Melanie, and good morning to all of Team Tuesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan T. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm very glad to be here this morning. We're talking about Roland Hazard and the conversation that he's having with Dr. Jung. And Roland is talking to Jung, and Jung is telling him that he needs a vital spiritual experience, but he doesn't really know how to bring that about. And he reflects that he's a good church member. The hope, however, was destroyed by the doctors telling him that while his religious convictions were very good, in this case they did not spell the necessary vital spiritual experience. I have seen rabbis come in. I have seen nuns come in. I have seen priests and ministers and lay people from the church come in over the decades that I've been here, and some of them recovered and most of them did not. I have seen many, many very religious people come in, and some of them recovered, and most of them did not. There is a vast difference between spiritual practices and adherence to religious obedience. I'm not knocking either one of them. They are both wonderful, and they both make the world a better place. But in this case, Roland needed a vital spiritual experience. And instead of turning to the conventional church when he came back to the United States, he went to the Oxford Group Movement, which in the 1930s was also in its ascendancy. He goes into the Oxford Group Movement, and in New York City, he finds the Cavalry Mission. And at the Cavalry Mission, he finds Sam Shoemaker. And Sam Shoemaker will take Roland in, and introduce him to a couple of other people who were also alcoholics, who were in the Oxford Group meetings, in the Oxford Group movement, and recovering, although they did not know the problem, they were working out the solution through their spiritual practices. One was a guy by the name of Shep Cornell, and one was a very, very important figure named Sebra Graves, Jr., and Sebra Graves Jr. and Roland are going to become fast friends. And what they're going to find is they're going to find that the pain of the drinking must outweigh the fear of letting it go. And the pain of the drinking was too great for them to bear, and they started letting, they let the liquor go and started working what was then the six-step program of the Oxford Group movement with its fourth with its four absolutes, absolute love, absolute unselfishness, absolute purity, absolute honesty. And then it says here, we in our turn sought the same escape with all the desperation of drowning men. I have to have that desperation of a drowning man. And if you've ever been underwater a bit too long, you know you don't care about the color of the life preserver. You don't care about the style of the life preserver or the brand. You just need a gulp of air, and you need it more than you need anything else. What seemed at first a flimsy read has proved to be the loving and powerful hand of God. A new life has been given us, or if you prefer, a design for living that really works. When he says that new life that has been given us, I'm going to wrap it up with this. In every way that a human being can be, 
I have been rearranged and reborn, and I have a life today greater than my wildest dreams. With that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Harlan G. Matt M., you're next. Hi, thank you, Melanie, for your service. This is Matt M., compulsive overeater, and over here in New Jersey on the East Coast. Lee and Terrence sought the same escape with all the desperation and drowning men. When I first came in the rooms in 2007, I was there, but I got on the pink cloud. I thought I could do everything, do everything right, and everything like that, but I never really um, realized that I had to have that spiritual awakening. I never really had that. I do now know that I have a higher power, and sometimes somebody told me this phrase that um, when you're in the rooms, the pain of the food must outweigh the pain of letting it go, and... Um, I haven't, I'm getting there. I finally put the food down, but it's difficult because I'm thinking about different things. And uh, just like Roland Hazard, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I do know that I am working towards having a spiritual experience, a spiritual, a spiritual experience. I'm taking it through the educational variety, it says, and, and it's not easy. It's tough, and putting that food down is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, and uh, I'm, cra- I'm having it and cravings, and... Um, I believe that flimsy read that I have right now is enough to sustain me, but I'm going to have to um, do the rest of the work so I can have that vital spiritual experience. And um, I want that I want that design for living that really works by working the rest of the steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Matt M. Belita, you're next. Star one. Hi, Dorita. Um, is that you, Dorita? Okay, yes, I'm sorry. I had to take myself off a of speaker. Hi, my name oh. is Dorita P. Uh, but there, there is also a, a Delita. So I don't know if you want Dorita P or Delita. Um, if you're the one that spoke up first, that's the one I was looking for. I apologize for that. Okay. Oh, no, that's okay. okay. Oh, no, that's okay. So my, <laughs> thank you. My name is Dorita I'm from Cleveland, and I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm really grateful to be here, especially today. I'm going through a tough time, so I'm really grateful. I broke my foot, so I'm really grateful to be here on this meeting today. Um, But uh, I believe that uh, God works through people, and so this part here about... um, you know, a flimsy read, you know, I didn't know what a, the only reason why I know what a read is, uh, because I used to play the clarinet. And for those who don't know what a read is, it's a really thin little piece of wood. Uh, and for clarinet, I think it's in other uh, musical instruments too, but it, you use it uh, in the mouthpiece, on the mouthpiece. So, um, yeah, um, you know, I was dependent on a flimsy read you know, before the program, the diets that I was on, um, they had no substance. So I'm really grateful that I came to OA and found something much more powerful than just a flimsy read. Um, yeah, and for me, you know, the po- powerful hand of God was uh, people, you know. Well, I believe that God works through people. And so for me, you know, I was raised by a single mom and um, she raised us to be independent and self-sufficient and not to depend on anyone, not even a man or a husband. So for me to come here and to ask for help or to reach out for help was a brand new concept, something that I, you know, uh, 
well, wasn't used to, let alone, I wasn't, you know, really able to do, let alone be used to, you know, asking for help or depending on people or reaching out for help. So I'm grateful, you know, uh, so I lost 100 pounds. And um, so newcomers, they, you know, they want to know what I did or how I did it. Uh, and, and I tell them, like, if it's one thing that I can tell you that changed everything was that um, I, um, I'll say I humbled myself. I don't know if I want to really say that, is that I, I trusted enough. I trusted enough that I reached out to one person, and that was my sponsor, and she didn't let me down. She didn't, um, I never heard anything I said to her from anybody else. Um, so she didn't let me down. And I'm just really grateful for this program. Um, like I said, I'm going through a rough time. I broke my foot and, uh, I have to depend on people. So I'm just really grateful with that I pass. Thank you, Dorita P. Tina S., you're next. Thanks, Melanie, for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Heard some really great things. And, you know, I, I certainly relate to this. When I first came to Overeaters Anonymous, I, I did not have the necessary vital spiritual experience. And and therefore, I, I didn't really think I needed it. So uh, thank you very much for the diet. And um, you know, But I was brought back. You know, the food brought me back to Overeaters Anonymous. And, and this time, I had to do something different. And, uh, and I always can remember sponsors that say, if you want something different, you have to do something different. This is all about action. And, you know, and then it says that here was the terrible dilemma in which our friend found himself, you know. And, um, you know, and I found myself there. And what happens is, you know, it says that, um, you know, in, we in turn sought the same escape with all the desperation of drowning men. We seemed at first, what seemed at first a flimsy reed, which is, you know, an insubstantial plant or leaf, you know, a connection to a power greater than myself, which was insubstantial, for me had to be cultivated into a relationship that worked, you know, and I had to do that cultivation because, you know, initially, you know, my abstinence, and I just have to say this, I was brought here by a power greater than myself. I was, it was given to me by God's grace, which is an unmerited gift. I didn't deserve nothing, you know, but if I want to stay, there's some work to be done, you know. And, and once I cultivate, you know, and I continue to cultivate a relationship with a power greater than myself, and which will, he solves my problem. He doesn't help me or let me, you know, it says in the big book, we find a power greater than ourselves, which will solve your problem. You know, there is some work for me to do, but God gives this, this to me. And what happens for me is a psychic change comes about, a transformation. And, and then I'm able one day at a time. I want this instead of the other, you know, to make that choice daily. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Melissa C. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, you know, what really grabbed me was this, um, the word convictions. And although um, I didn't have religious convictions, um, maybe I had anti-religious convictions or anti-God convictions, but I had a lot of convictions. And, um, and I, you know, really held firmly to them and um they were good you know in and of itself the idea of 
right and wrong, fair and unfair, good old-fashioned hard work can muscle yourself through a problem. You know, I had other convictions like um, don't tell, you know, don't tell people bad stuff that's going on, you know, hide your ugly and um, put a smile on your face. And, and those were good, maybe, you know, maybe at times they were okay, but they were not necessary, um, you know, to have a vital spiritual experience and vital, essential, you know, that that's the component um, that I really needed. And so, you know, for me, um, I had to divorce myself from a lot of my convictions. And and even today, you know, the things that... Um, the things that I hold firmly to, you know, the things that I don't want to release from the grip of my hand, um, sometimes are the exact blockages, the obstacles that keep me from having a vital spiritual experience. And, you know, and so um, I'm like going going through something or we're going through something with my daughter right now. And, um, you know, my knee-jerk reaction is um, – to not reach out, you know, initially, I don't want to tell people, um, I don't want to look weak, you know, I see anything that's imperfect as weakness, and that's a, a false conviction, and, you know, just like I'm learning that what I thought was my greatest weakness, this disease, um, has turned out to be my greatest gift, you know, that could actually be the truth for my daughter, you know, what might look like a rough a rough road ahead could actually be a great, you know, a great opportunity for her. And, um, you know, so the vital spiritual experience for me is when I'm feeling unsettled, um, I don't go within myself. I actually open myself up to others ask for help, and then I quickly start helping other people. So, you know, in the midst of all this, I was doing outreach calls. I was working with other people, and that's vital. You know, that's how I can have a um, spiritual experience and live in recovery. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Michael H., you're next, R1. Michael H., star one. Good morning. This is Michael H. May I be heard? Yes. Thank you. Thank you for your service this morning. Um, let's see. This is such a powerful reading that I um, can relate to. I, After reading this this morning, I thought it's an amazing coincidence, or is it, that a lot of these paragraphs and readings, they... They sound like my story, and, and then this morning it dawned on me that this book is is really my story. And upon hearing this, our friend was somewhat relieved, for he reflected that after all, he was a good church member. When I first came into the rooms of a twelve-step program years ago, actually in another fellowship, I I had a very deep religious experience, a, a deep religious faith, um, and, and deep practices along the religious lines, and so when I heard about this power greater than myself and, and these steps, I I thought this was going to be a simple process, and, and I was convinced eventually that it would would or could save me. But there and there's a but. I, I believe that 
the fact that I had that deep, deep religion kept me from really giving myself to these steps um, in, in a way that would truly unblock me from from uh, from a higher power. Um, although I had faith, you know, as it's shared so eloquently so many times, faith, faith without works is dead. Um, I really experienced that, um, that until I worked these steps um, with with the sponsor, there there was nothing that really happened other than, you know, faith, and that that just wasn't enough to to relieve me of this disease. Um, it, it says that 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 he sought the same escape, the desperation of a drowning man. By the time I came into OA to decide to actually work this program. I truly was drowning. I did not attempt suicide. However, I, I was on the brink of suicide several different times within a, about a two-year period. My life had closed in on me, and I had there was literally no way out. I was desperate, and I was drowning. And uh, and so I, I came into these rooms and and sought the help of of a sponsor. My first sponsor, uh, that relationship. Uh, dissolved but uh, I, I did I didn't feel like it was a flimsy read in in the beginning and and then after a while I felt like it was a, a flimsy read that was handed to me but I continued to press on and and then I got a, a big book uh, guide sponsor and worked through these steps and and the things that have happened in my life I've been trying for 51 years and I'm positive I have proof that that it was is still the loving hand of God that has changed my life and given me this new design for living. That, you know, for only maybe a few short months, um, but it's still a miracle. Thank you for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you, Michael H. Kim G. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. What seemed at first to be a flimsy read has proved, proved to be the loving and powerful hand of God. You know, one of my favorite AA speakers, Sandy B, I love, he has this saying I love. It says, it's not what I don't know that will kill me, but what I know for sure that isn't true that will kill me. And I'm, my, my experience is I had to face a lot of prejudices of, about what I thought step two was because my beliefs were killing me. I thought in step two, I had to have a defined idea of God. I had to have a relationship with God, and I couldn't move on until I had that. What this is saying is the flimsy read, and step two is so much easier. The flimsy read is just the idea that I need a power. These step one chapters we're in, and my own step one experiences convinced me. I conceded that I was powerless over food. Dash, my life is unmanageable. That in the food, my life was unmanageable. It's typically for me that sober, abstinent, my life was unmanageable. And if I am powerless, the default position is I need a power. That is all step two is. I just have to admit I need a power. The loving and powerful hand of God is step 11. I thought it was step two. So how is that proven? How do I get from the flimsy read step two to the loving and powerful hand of God, which is step 11? I have to do those steps in between three through 10. Because if I could get a relationship with a power at step two, in all honesty, we would have a two-step program. There would be no reason to do the steps in between. And I'm just talking now for people like me. 
My experience is I was told to try to do 10 and 11, do 84 to 88 the second I put the food down. I was told to pray and meditate when I was getting out of the food. My experience is I am so blocked from God, I have no access to that power, and I used to feel like a loser and like I wasn't doing it right and this book didn't work because all I was in was the flimsy read. My suggestion to everyone is to stay in the step that you're in. Don't try to do Cirque du Soleil moves when you're learning how to do a somersault. The, the prayer and meditation, step 10 and 11, has a depth and a weight when you do one through nine. So I'm going to tell you simply, what was my flimsy read? What was my step two? I'm going to go to page 52 in our book. It says, our ideas did not work, but the God idea did. That was simply my step two. I was dying. My ideas were killing me. And I saw people in whom the problem had been solved. I believed they were once like me, and I believed they were no longer like me. And this God idea worked for them. And the God idea working for them was enough for me to take hold of that flimsy read. It was proven by me continuing to do the steps 3 through 10. And at step 11, I got the loving and powerful hand of God, whatever that power is for you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Janice M.O., you're next. Hi, Melanie. I'm just um, setting my timer. Okay. Thanks, everybody on the line. Um, can you hear me okay, Melanie? I can. Yes, I'm uh-huh. great. Um, uh, Janice M.O. in Pennsylvania. I'm grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And um, that sign, uh, the first part, relieved um because he was a good church member. I was thinking about what a good church member I was and a born-again Christian and so involved with the church. And, you know, it wasn't until uh, life made me slow down enough that I realized that I was using the food. And Well, I didn't realize I was using the food, but I was using the food to help me get through the day. And eventually the weight gain came on. And I came into OA. I didn't have a lot of weight to lose, but I was broken down and depressed and, um, you know, self-loathing, the things we hear on this meeting. But um, the thing that really struck me was the, um, I was thinking about the flimsy read, and I was thinking if I got tossed into a lake and there was this um, little flimsy read, I'm not going to analyze it and say, well, I wonder if it's well-rooted if I pull on it, if it's going to, you know, just pull out of the ground. And I was thinking about, you know, I, I grab onto it, but I'm not down all the way. I'm just grabbing at the beginning, and that's like my willingness to go to a meeting to ask for help. But as I move along and I keep grabbing it, that's like working the steps, and I get the reed gets wider and a little thicker and stronger, and my grip gets you know longer, and then eventually I get to the ground, and I was thinking about how that's what the steps are. You know, I came in the room and, you know, I I heard on the line that the fear, for me, the fear of going to a meeting um, was great, but the pain of not being able to eat like a normal person had to be greater for me to get over that fear and desperation to be willing to ask for help. And um, I did ask for help. It took a while to get to a meeting. And then... um, I went to the meeting, and it just took a while to be in enough pain to ask for help. But but once I did, I was just like, tell me what to do. You know, I'm just so grateful that I was so broken down by this disease that I was in a position to just be willing. 
to just do whatever I needed to do. So I just want to welcome all the newcomers on the line and, and thank you for your service. Nice pass. Thank you, Janice M.O. Appreciate that. Is there anyone else that would like to comment on paragraph 27? This is Larry. David. From Larry. Janice. Janice. Janice M. I hear Janice M. Larry. Who else? Rose M. From Florida. Somebody Sarah. M. Somebody M. Sarah. Is that Rose M.? Yeah. Julie yeah. M. Rose okay. M. Renata M. And did I hear Sarah? Sarah? Sarah, is that what I'm hearing, Sarah? Okay. And then the other folks, if you just say your name, just say your name one time, and then I'll catch you when I get back around. And that way we're letting other people say their name through you. And I can take probably one more. I got Sarah W. That's the one I heard, so I'm going to grab that one. Um, I have Larry K., Janice M., Rose M., Julie M., Sarah G., and Sarah W., I think that's all the time we'll allow today. We'll see. Hi, good morning, Larry. Good morning, Melanie. Can you hear me okay? I can. Thank you. Okay. Th- oh, boy. Thank you for your service. Really appreciate it. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Um, you know, the, one of the things inherent in this program for me is that um, the root of my trouble is my selfishness, my self-centeredness. And... Um, and, and it really relates for me to this paragraph this morning because, you know, there are certainly, you know, I, I was a religious person at, at one point, but, but self-centered to the extreme still. But I didn't know. I didn't know that I was. You know, for after all, if you would have asked me or would have accused me of being selfish, you know, while I was wor- worshiping, you know, on a house of worship, I, I, I would have said, that's crazy. How, how, could you, how could you suggest such a thing? Yet today I know that I was. And if selfishness, self-centeredness, that is the root of our trouble, you know, we have to understand that there's there's different types of selfishness, you know. There's, uh, you know, there was there was that bad, if you will, using that term loosely, there was that bad selfishness that, you know, it was me manipulating to get what I wanted. I would manipulate you regardless of what the effect was on you to get what I wanted. And that was not helpful to you. That was a win for me perhaps and a lose for you. There was neutral selfishness, like something as obscure as brushing my teeth. It's self-care. It's You don't get anything from it, but I do, and I engage in that, and I think we, we should brush our teeth, okay? there's It's a kind of a neutral selfishness, if you will. But then, for you know, there was what we learn in this program by taking the steps through these actions is the clearest example of kind of a two-sided transaction, uh, a win-win type of selfishness where, you know, I'm, I'm doing for you. It involves more than just a kind of an economic exchange. See, I benefit by carrying this message, by being on this line. No question, we all do. Yet you benefit as well, perhaps. And that was the place that I needed to get. These steps done in sequence needed to take me to that new place where I wasn't, I was still human, but I wasn't engaged in, you know, I was engaged in this, in this good selfishness, if you will, where I was doing for you. And sometimes I was doing for you even when I wouldn't necessarily benefit. And I think God has taken me to that place, but I had to take these steps and take these actions. And yes, what first seemed a flimsy reed, a little nothing floating down the, the river proved to be the loving hand of, 
my powerful creator that changed me through these steps, through these actions. I could pray and beg. It wouldn't happen. You know, my prayers, although well-intentioned at times, were uh, begging because I was praying for myself. You know, bless me, bless me, rather than bless me, bless you, change me. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Janice M., your turn, star one, please. Yes, and good morning to you, um, Melanie, and thank you so much for your continued service. Uh, my name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. When I first came into AAOA, um, I said, hmm, I was so prideful. When I came to step two, I said, oh, I got this made. You know, I teach religion, you know, to the children. I thought, oh, you know, I have a God in my life, and, uh, you know, I'm unique. <laughs> I'm unique. Well, let me tell you, um, it didn't work out for me. You know, it's, it, I compare it to uh, church is wonderful. Religion is great. I compare it to our fellowship. It's like fellowship church. Is fellowship going, the rooms of OA going to give me this vital spiritual experience? Did my church give me the vital spiritual experience? In my case, it did not, okay? It had gave me a lot of knowledge, but knowledge did not spell a vital spiritual experience. So, um, you know, I would go and justify and all that. And, um, you know, the precepts of my church are the same today that I, are the same as these 12 steps. I mean, because I believe that this is my higher power's standards of living is these 12 steps as much as the precepts of my church. Now, on page 93, um, I mean, I've sponsored ministers, um, very knowledgeable, religious knowledgeable, much more than me, um, people in the program. However, the secret was for me, too, is that I did not apply these precepts to my life. I was a hypocrite with a capital H. I would teach the children on Sunday morning, after mass or whatever it was, and then go out and do all my, like Larry said, selfish things, lustful things, um, uh, destructive behaviors. Well, that wasn't practicing and applying the precepts. And on page 93, I'll just, it says, but call to his attention. That means to a sponsor or whoever you call the fact that however deep your faith is. My faith was in knowledge. I could not have applied it or I would not be compulsively eating. Perhaps your story will help him see where he has failed to practice the very precepts he knows so well. And only, only a power greater than myself comes through with this vital spiritual experience as a result of these steps. And with that, I, I pass. Thank you, Janice M. Rose M., star one. Hi, um, this is Rose M. Um, I'm a very grateful, um, recovered compulsive overeater um, from the Philadelphia area. Um, I just um, can really um, identify with these 
um, paragraphs, um, especially when it's talking about um, seeking the same escape with all the desperation of drowning men. Um, um, I think, uh, you know, in the in the beginning, in the first paragraph that we're talking about. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, in the in the first paragraph um, that that we're talking about, where it says, um, while his religious convictions were very good in this case, they did not spell out the necessary vital spiritual experience. Um, you know, growing up, I um, I believed in God. Um, I grew up in church, um, and um, and it wasn't it wasn't um, it wasn't enough um, to save me from um, a compulsive overeating. Um, and uh, it wasn't enough to save me from, um, you know, the way I was dying when I was really in the compulsive overeating. Um, you know, essentially, I believed in God, but um, when the rubber met the road, um, it wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't believe that God could um, restore me to sanity. Um, so I believed in a God, um, you know, my belief structure um is that I believed in a God that could, you know, raise people from the dead um, and do all kinds of physical miracles, but I didn't, you know, I didn't believe that he could restore me to sanity um, until I um, started working the steps. Um, And I really did, um, uh, before, um, in the beginning, feel like a drowning person um, because I I realized I was dying and... um, uh, you know, I didn't want to live like that. Um, when I think about people who are drowning, I remember a while ago watching um, a documentary or, um, you know, I'm a nurse. Maybe I was watching it for educational stuff. But um, it was talking about when people are drowning, you know, how to see the signs. And um, there's a period of time, obviously, where the person knows they're dying, um, where they know that they're they're losing, they're losing um, oxygen. And um, it's not immediate. Um, and I think um, that's what happened, um, at least that's what happened to me um, once I became introduced to the program. I finally realized that, yep, I really am dying. And when I saw the solution, I really grabbed onto it. Um, and at first, I wasn't sure if it was safe. You know, it really did seem like a flimsy read to me. Um, but um, I am just happy that I trusted it. Um, because, you know, at some point it started out like a flimsy read, but I realized that um, this this process, the steps were safe, that I at the end of it I was going to come out and I was going to be okay. Um, and I'm so grateful um, for the program and um, for the fellowship and um, for the people who guided me um, because, um, you know, I God really did restore me to sanity. Um, and I really do believe um, in a loving God. So thank you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Roseanne. Julie M. Star one. Hi, this is Julie M. Recovered compulsive over here in Netherland, Colorado. Um, thank you for your service for anyone who makes this meeting possible. I want to focus on the part where it says, talks about being a free man where it says a new life has been given us, or if you prefer, designed for living that really works. Um, Before, the way that I dealt with my emotions was to swallow them. I can remember just having intense emotion come up 
and I couldn't let it out. And I can remember swallowing just these giant hard knots. And the food would just swallow and swallow and swallow and it would tamp everything down. Nothing ever got to come out. And coming into, even coming into just being abstinent, just dealing with the allergy of the body, I, then my emotions are coming out, but they're coming out in horrible ways. I'm screaming at my kids and, you know, crying hysterically. And not until I worked on working the steps, it's not just about putting down the food, but working the steps is what gave me a design for living that really works. It gave me a way to process my emotions. It gave me a way to, you know, doing an inventory and looking at all my stuff and, you know, letting go of the shame that I had around things. Um, but having that conscious contact with God, I never, I never went to God before, not when I was any time in my life. I wasn't raised with any kind of spirituality or religion or anything. It was all about, you know, don't be a sheep and, you know, use your, your willpower as the only thing that's going to get you through and rely on yourself 100%. Well, that never worked. And so only from working the steps and having had a spiritual awakening as a result of working these steps and working with others is the only way that I know now to get through life in a way that's not obnoxious or painful or full of misery. And instead, it's I'm so I'm I, I'm so much calmer when when there's a problem to be solved. I turn to God and I surrender it, and it just doesn't ease with with difficult things. My life's not necessarily different. I mean, the things around me are the same, but the way I move through it is different, and the way I feel about it is different. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Julie M. Sarah G. You're next. Star one. Could you call on me, Melanie? Sarah G. This is first, and then you, Sarah, Sarah W. Thank you. This is Sarah. This is yeah, Sarah thanks. G. Composable well, reader and Um, Yeah, I wanted to speak to a couple of parts of that of the reading, um, and just say initially that I was a know-it-all coming in, thinking I knew everything. And all I needed was just one or two little, you know, tricks to, to get me through. And the first time I came in was in 1988, and that's basically what I did. I listened for the, the, the tips, the tricks, and hung on to that uh, and my own self-will as though it, they were, you know, my guiding force. And they, I know that's not exactly what it's in, in the book, but they were my flimsy reads to start out with, and uh, and I didn't understand. I thought, you know, um, that I myself could do this, and in internally, actually, I was thinking that I was the God of my universe, very selfish, very self-centered, um, and when I came back, I came back in um, 1997, and I was uh, absolutely um, at my bottom, at my rock bottom, and um, I realized that I needed help, and um, um, you know, and I was I I needed help much more than my self sufficient self sufficiency could do for me. And um, what this 
this also reading is saying is that we have found a life greater or better than we could ever imagine. And that's what I have found, working the steps um, uh, and using the tools, but mainly the steps, steps of the spiritual essence of this program. And although when I first came in, I knew what the problem was and I heard what the solution was, um, I I didn't accept it. I didn't take it on. The second time around, I absolutely understood I took it on uh, as though I were a dying, drowning person. Um, I knew that I needed those things. And um, I'm so grateful for this meeting. Uh, it just sort of brings the big book to light for me because I, I uh, married an alcoholic. Time. Thank you. I thought, always thought the big book was his book, and, and today I know it's mine as well. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you very much, Sarah G. Sarah W., you will round out this wonderful meeting for us today. Good morning. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for your service today. Sarah W., very grateful, compulsive overeater, recovered by the grace of God. Um, Yeah, I really loved hearing so many beautiful shares this morning. Uh, The thing that came to me um, about all this, and I do feel that I am a transformed person, is that I'm not perfect no matter how transformed I am, that the design for living is, you know, in essence, that I that I had the hope to believe that the program could work uh, for me and that I've had different levels of recovery during the 22 years that I've been in the program. Um, at times, I've been working more on my physical recovery, at times more on my emotional, and at times more on my spiritual and I'm certainly not a perfect person. Um, and I guess the idea for me is that I, I try to continually be open to different ideas, different ways of thinking. And that, I think, is the essence of why some people really stay and they can keep working the program and why they don't oftentimes. Although I don't know the reason why for anything, really. Uh, but I think I have to be open-minded enough to um, be open to different ways of thinking, that it's not just my way. And um, I have to bring the steps in, you know, into every area of my life. If I have an issue, I can work it through 1 through 12. Uh, I can do 10, 11, and 12. Uh, I, or I can just do a 10 and work it from 4 through 9. There's many different ways, and I don't think I can say what's the right or wrong way for anybody. Every experience I've had has really helped me grow as a human being. Um, You know, losing my mother in in recovery was really um, a very growth-producing experience, very painful, but growth-producing. When I uh, sent my my grandchildren who lived with me for 10 years back to their mother, that was painful because I loved them and I wanted them to be with me. Um, these are all things that helped me grow as a human being. And I think especially the thing that comes to me is I was a person that couldn't delay gratification. And today what I realized is if I walk through something and do something I don't want to do, that's usually where my greatest growth happens. So I'm very grateful for that. And with that, I pass. Thank you for your service, Melanie. Thank you very much, Sarah W. And thank you to everyone who shared this morning. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing today. And I wanted to let you know that the share ID for today, 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, 
April 18th is 9848-9848. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, and we'll follow that with a serenity prayer. Lisa C.H., would you please read page 164? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. This is Lisa H., uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Tennessee. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you 